1: In the wine of your blood. Let's sing it together to the Lord. Close your eyes and sing it to Jesus. Unless your heart is not hard, and your eyes are not dry, and your prayers are not cold, and your faith is not old, otherwise that just about means all of us, doesn't it? My eyes are dry. My eyes are dry. Faith is old. My faith is old. Heart is hard. My heart is hard. My prayers are cold. My prayers are cold. And I know how. And I know how. I ought to be. I ought to be alive to you. Alive to you. Dead to me. be done what can be for an old heart like mine for an old heart soften it up soften it with oil and wine with oil oil oil. the oil is you the oil is your spirit of love your spirit of love please wash me anew please wash me anew in the wine of your blood Let's just sing it out loud to the Lord with all our hearts. And break down before Him. The Lord says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Mourn, weep, be miserable. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, your joy into gloom. Pour the anointing of God out upon all of us, God, so that we can be a pleasing people. Heal your land, oh God. My eyes are dry, my faith is old, my heart is hard, my prayers are cold, and I... Light. What can See? bowed and every eye is closed Lord Jesus you know how weak I am Lord oh in God that my motives Lord needed to be purified today Jesus in God my heart so wicked Lord would God work despite me Lord despite all of us work send your spirit despite our wickedness God we, we cry out for your Holy Spirit to fall upon us God everybody in this place that feels that God has been speaking specifically about them, raise your hand specifically about them, be honest glory to God as we sing this next song together I'd like those people to open the curtains so we have more room down here, please. I'd like those of you that feel you need to come and commit your life to Jesus as Lord, possibly for the first time in your life. Those of you who have not been living a right life before God. You've had bitterness in your heart. You've had sin on your hands. And God wants you to come to the fountain and it clean and true repentance, true faith, and true holiness. Come to a holy God and become a holy people.
0: O turn ye, O turn ye, for why will ye die when God in great mercy is coming so nigh? Now Jesus invites you, the Spirit says come, and angels are waiting to welcome you home. How vain the delusion that while you delay, your hearts may grow better, your chains melt away. Come guilty, come wretched, come just as you are, all helpless and dying to Jesus. Repair. The contrite in heart he will freely receive. Oh, why will you not the glad message believe? If sin be your burden, why will you not come? Tis you he makes welcome. He bids you come home. These words were written in the 1700s by Samson O'Connor. They were put into a hymn in 1830. They were based on the scripture in Ezekiel, the 18th chapter. Therefore, O house of Israel, I will judge you, each one according to his ways, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent, turn away from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all offenses that you have committed, and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and live. And I would change part of the wording today. Therefore, O House of the American Church, I will judge you each one according base," declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent, turn away from all your offenses. O House of the American church. I take no pleasure in the death of anyone. Declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. I'm not talking about someone else. I'm talking about you. Will you repent. And turn to the Lord. Or continue to follow the illusion. That somehow. You're under the grace of Jesus, and you're all right. You're not. None of us in America are all right. I had a dream, two dreams last night I want to share with you. They were from the Lord. In the first dream, I was driving with my mother and my father, who are now gone to their reward with Jesus. But in the dream, they were both young and with me. I was driving. It was night. The headlights were on. We were in the front seat. It was a bench seat like the old cars used to have. I was driving down a hill. And suddenly, the lights began to dim until I could not see where we were going. My father, who was a holy man of God, quickly spoke and said, This is demonic. But before I could say one word, the steering wheel was wrenched out of my hand, and we were going off of the road, and I didn't know where. It was pitch dark. All I could do, because I could not turn the wheel, was to stomp on the brakes, which I did quickly. and I woke up and I began to pray I began to cry out to God and say oh Lord save us from this demonic power save me from this demonic power that would cause the darkness to come upon me and cause the car to turn off the road Lord Lord Is there a shadow in my heart between you and me? I took it very personally. I searched my heart before God. I cried out to him for my shallowness, for my lack of perception. I cried out to him because of my love of comfort and ease. I cried out to him my casualness, my hardness of heart. I cried out to him, I said, Lord, change this. And then a sense of peace came over my heart, and I went back to sleep. Immediately, I was in another dream. I was standing on the shore of a lake. And the Holy Spirit said to me, walk across the lake. And so I stepped out, and the water was solid beneath my foot. And I walked across that lake as Jesus had walked on the Sea of Galilee. And everywhere I put my foot was solid, Stable. When I crossed the lake, I came to what I quickly saw was the road I had been driving down. I continued walking, and there I saw the tire marks of the car I'd been driving. The car was gone, but the skid marks were very plain the skid marks, now I could tell, came up to a a precipice as I stood on that precipice about, about 12 inches from where the car had stopped. I looked down and there was the outlet for the lake and water was gushing out down this precipice and the rocky slope. And surely if if we had gone over that in the midnight hour, in the darkness, we would have perished. And I stood there with my arms lifted up, praising God that he had stopped the car, for the devil had intended to take us out, to kill us all. And immediately I was awake, and once more I began to pray. I praise the Lord for stopping the car. I pleaded with Jesus to make known to me the meaning of the dream. It was very clear. We, you and me, the American church, the devil has taken the control of the church And he has turned us from our path of righteousness and holiness. And he has brought us to a precipice. And if we go over that precipice, we will die. And the American church is about to die in America. We have loved money, we have loved greed, we have worshipped the things of the flesh and we are about to die. And we better put the brakes on. We better stop. We better repent. Is there a shadow in your heart between you and the Lord God of heaven? Is there an unconsciousness in your heart? Do you love the things of the world? Do you love the entertainment of the world? Do you spend your time in front of the television watching stupidity? Do you spend your time on the internet watching foolishness and wickedness? Do you lust after the things of this world, after money? Do you worship at the altar of ease and comfort? We are about to go over the abyss and all will die. That's why this passage of scripture is so powerful to me. In Ezekiel. Why will you die? Turn. Repent. Don't excuse yourself. Don't say, Oh, I'm okay. No, you're not okay if you're a member of the American church and you can go Sunday after Sunday and sit in that congregation and listen to the pretty music and the jokes the pastor tells, if you can go through the worship service and not be upset or disturbed, you are not okay. You are in trouble. You are a part of the problem. If you're saying, isn't it beautiful? Isn't the choir wonderful? We have such a beautiful building to worship in. And our pastor is such a wise and comforting man. You're the problem. You're the problem. Because God is about to leave the American church. He is not pleased with how we have lived before him. He is not pleased by our love of the world and the flesh and the devil. He's not pleased by our pride, our arrogance. I listened to a man preach, a man I love, so I won't name him, but he's a revivalist. He was speaking to a large congregation in a major city in America. And he kept preaching about the church and describing what the condition is of the church. And you could hear as he would say certain things, the congregation would respond, Amen, yes! And finally he said to them, Does the American church worship at the idol of money? And you could hear the congregation say, yes. He said again, does the American church worship at the idol of money? Yes. A third time, does the American church worship money today? And the great shout went up, yes. And then he said, do you worship at the idol of money? There was not a sound. He did not repeat the question three times. You see, it's very popular for us to talk about the American church and the problems we face in the American church that people are leaving in droves that young people aren't coming. The problem is me. You're the problem too. We're the problem. Who have you won to Jesus this year? Have you prayed through and gotten the Pentecost baptism of the Holy Spirit or are you saying, Oh, I'm doing great. God is with me. I'm blessed with the best. Or the foolish saying God is good and I'm supposed to say yes all the time. Are you kidding me? God is a judge. And he's at the door of the American church. And we're about to go over the precipice. Do you see what's happening in America? Do you see the riots? Do you see the burnings? Do you see the economy? Do you see the the virus? Do you understand God's judgment is on America? And it's going to get much, much worse. And my question is, How bad does it have to get before you will stop and begin to truly ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the sin of your life? Let's not talk about somebody else. Let's not talk about the church. We are the church. We are the church. so you can go on with your life and you can have your income and you can do wonderful things for other people and you can you can do this and that and you can talk about how bad things are but will you get honest about your own heart will you confess your sin will you leave it will you turn from your sin why will you die Why will you die? The story is in the fifth chapter of the book of Daniel. Belshazzar gives a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles, and they begin to drink the wine and get drunk together. Belshazzar is the son or the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, and he took over the kingdom when Nebuchadnezzar died. Belshazzar suddenly has a a great idea. Let's bring those beautiful gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple in Jerusalem. Let's use those holy goblets, and, and let's drink to the gods of gold and silver. So they did. And they drank the wine, and they praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. And as they're in this foolishness, it's the same thing that's going on right now in the American church. And we can sit Sunday after Sunday in the sanctuary, listening to the pleasing flow of words that come over us that tell us we're loved unconditionally, we're covered by grace, we're saved, we're on our way to heaven, and it's a lie. No, we're not. We're about to die. Judgment has come to America. And how bad does that judgment have to get before the, before you'll turn and say, Lord, what's going on in my life? I can't make my mortgage. I can't cover my car cost. Lord, what are we going to do? How bad does it have to get? How sick do you have to get? Do you have to get the virus and begin to actually feel like you're going to die? Is there anything God can do to break up your stony heart? As they're drinking and as they're parting, as they're worshiping their financial wealth and their gain and their kingdom and their power, suddenly the fingers of a human hand appear and they begin to write on the plaster of the wall where the lampstand is in the royal palace. And the king's eyes fasten on it, and his face turns pale, and he's frightened, and his knees knock together, and his his legs give way. That is, he peed his pants. That's what it means in the Hebrew. The words don't disappear when the hand leaves. the king immediately calls for the enchanters and the astrologers and the diviners, the wise men of Babylon. And he says, please read this and tell me what it means. And I will put a gold chain around the neck of anyone who can, and I'll dress them in purple, and he'll be the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Perhaps... Nebuchadnezzar is still alive, but he's too sick to rule, and so his son or grandson rules. I don't know. But he's saying, whoever it is is going to be next to me. They could not tell him what it meant. They couldn't read it. At this, the king becomes even more terrified. His face grows even more pale. Everyone is baffled. What does this mean? The drinking has stopped. The gaiety is over. They are faced with the words of judgment. The queen or the queen-mother passing by the banquet hall, hears the terrified voices of the king and his nobles. She comes into the banquet hall and she says, "O King, live forever." Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There's a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the Holy God in him. In the time of your father, he was found of insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. They call for Daniel. Daniel's now an old man, probably in his seventies. He's brought before Belshazzar. He is offered the gold chain, the wealth, third place in the kingdom, dressed in royal purple. Daniel's response is very interesting. He says, you may keep your gifts for yourself. You may give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. And then he begins to tell the story that Belshazzar knows very well about his father Nebuchadnezzar. The scripture says when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like cattle and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, though you knew of all of this. He knew the stories. He knew exactly what had happened to... Nebuchadnezzar, but he had not humbled his heart. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You have the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles and your wives and your concubines drank wine from them. You praise the gods of silver and gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Which cannot see or hear or understand, but you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all of your ways. I'm going to read that from another translation. Let's see if I can find it quickly. Okay, here we have it. To me, this is a much more powerful, powerful translation. Let me share it with you. But you have not glorified the God who holds your life breath in his hand and who controls the whole course of your life. Therefore, he sent the hand, and this writing was inscribed. Daniel is saying, look, the God of heaven controls your breath, the breath of your life. And if he decides that your cup of iniquity is full, if he decides that you are filled with pride and arrogance before him and he can do nothing to break that, no matter what he says and no matter what he does. And We have the stories of scripture to tell us who he is just as Belshazzar had the story of his grandpa or his father to tell him about this God of heaven. Did you know God holds your life in his hands? The doctor doesn't hold your life. The Lord God of heaven holds your life. And if you don't walk in holiness before God, you will not see him. His judgment rests upon you. This is what the words mean. Many, many tickle you, farson. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. The word literally means numbered, measured, counted, finished. Death. God has looked at your life and made a determination that your life is over because you have refused to repent and humble your heart. He's speaking that to the American church. We are right at the precipice. We are about to go over the precipice the American church is either going to have to repent and get right with God or it's going to be swept away. Already, countless numbers of young people and adults have left the Christian church. I can remember when we thought it was great that 50 or 60% of, of all the population attended church every Sunday or every Saturday. Do you know what that is now? About 10%. And the young people are gone as soon as mom and dad don't force them to go. They are history. They scorn what happens in the church. They see it as failed entertainment, as foolishness. There's no conviction of sin. They see what the pastor does. They see the game. The second word was "tickle." You've been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Literally, you have been weighed on the scale and have found to be lightweight. In other words, there's there's nothing to your commitment to Jesus. It's a cultural commitment. It's not a serious, life-changing commitment. If it's convenient, you'll go to church. If it's not convenient, you'll go to the ball game. You'll go out on the boat. You'll go golfing. You're not serious about Jesus, and you're not serious about the church. So why should the world be serious about the church? And why should your kids be serious about the church? They know what the preacher's going to say before he even says it. They know what is prayer is going to be before you even praise it they know the slobber the sentimental slobber that they're going to have to endure oh you're loved unconditionally the grace of God covers you no it doesn't the grace of God does not cover you not in your sin the grace of God teaches you to say no to ungodliness it doesn't cover you up When Jesus looks at you, he sees you. And if you have not repented, you will be sent to hell. You're a lightweight. That's what Daniel's saying to this king. He's saying, you're a lightweight. That's what the word written on the wall means. Wade, found to be a lightweight, judgment is pronounced against you. The final word. Divided, sent to hell. Divided, sent to hell. So, this is the message that this man, Belshazzar, receives from the prophet Daniel. Your days are numbered and counted and finished, and now you're going to die. You have been weighed in the balance, and you have been found to be a lightweight. Your kingdom is divided, and you are sent to hell. Boy, do you want those words to be spoken by Jesus against you? Against your life? Are you a lightweight? Do you spend time reading the scriptures and praying? Jesus said, could you not even pray an hour? Could you not watch with me even an hour? You think that getting up in the morning and reading a few verses or getting up in the morning and reading some pre-chewed piece of sentimental, you think that's enough? Are you serious about Jesus? Or does there need to be a change in your life? I'm asking Jesus to make that change total and complete in my life. For I recognize the shallowness of my heart. I recognize how many years my desire was to, yes, I'll preach the gospel, but please let people like me. Now I don't care if people like me. That's been removed from my heart. He's making me into what he promised many years ago, a threshing sledge. I have to tell you what the scriptures honestly say. I can't pretend. The American church is about to go over the edge of the cliff and be dashed to pieces. And if you're in that, you're going with it. Unless you've repented and become serious and learn how to pray. What he doesn't realize, Belshazzar, is that even while this banquet is going on, the Medo-Persians have damned up the river that flows through the middle of Babylon. And on the dry riverbed, the army is already moving in. They're already taking out the guards and that very night, the scripture tells us Belshazzar is executed. And Darius of the Medes and the Persians takes over the throne. We find in the book of Joel a catastrophic crisis has come upon Israel. It's fourfold. One, a plague of locusts has swept in and is eating all the greenery. Secondly, there is an invading army from the north that is coming in and beginning to invade Israel. Third, there is drought, and with the drought comes fire. Number four, people have begun to die of starvation and famine. These are the judgments that God has brought against Israel. He is now bringing those same judgments against America. And the only thing that stands between America. And God's judgments is the American church. And we are folding like a house of cards. Can you stand and intercede for America and have God hear your prayer? Do you know how to go into the prayer closet and pray in such a manner that you can change what's happening in the physical realm? Can you stay the plagues of riot? Of disease? Of invasion? America is on the verge of being destroyed. That's what they're announcing on the radio. They're saying the Civil War may be fought all over again. Parts of Seattle have been taken over by Black Lives Matter and Antifa. The President is saying, "Go clear those people out, and the Governor of the State says, "President, you stay out of this. This is our state. America is in full rebellion. Let's cut down the statues let's Let's behead." Christopher Columbus, let's turn against everything that was righteous about America. Where's the church? They can't even meet together because the government said you can't gather. Are you kidding me? If ever there was a time for the people of God to rise up and say, God is our ruler, not the government. We will come and we will pray. Now is that time. Oh, but I might get the virus. You don't believe God's in charge. You don't believe the word of God that he has your life in his hands. Your breath is in his hands and he will decide who will live and die. He will direct the course of your life. Or does the government direct the course of your life? The the book of Joel says, declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. I called for a sacred assembly, a solemn assembly yesterday. I want to tell you, 12 people responded and said, if you call a solemn assembly, we will come. 12 people is just enough for those 12 precious people to begin to enter deeply into the prayer closet and pray for America. And I will continue to call for a solemn assembly. And when the Lord says, now there are enough people who will come, and I would be pleased to have you come into my presence, then I will know and I will call and appoint the time for that solemn assembly based on the word of the living God to me. But there must be a call now to a solemn assembly in America. For the day of the Lord is near, and it will come like destruction from the Almighty. Joel says, Has not the food been cut off before our very eyes, joy and gladness from the house of our God? The seeds are shriveled beneath the clods, the storehouses are in ruins. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is close at hand, a day of darkness. And gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, like the dawn spreading across the mountains, a large and mighty army comes, such as never was of old nor will ever be again. I want to tell you, America is on the verge of being destroyed. And all that stands between that destruction and America is the church. People who will come and humble their hearts and pray. A people who will repent of their sin and get right with God. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with. All your heart with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God for his gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. He relents from sending calamity. Who knows he may turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a solemn assembly gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children and those nursing at the breast. I can tell you right now that if I make a call for a solemn assembly, pastors won't come. Too busy building their kingdoms. There's going to have to be a change in America. What's going to have to happen? Joel, the second chapter. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That was what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. We're going to have to get right with Jesus. And every shadow between us and the Lord God of heaven is going to have to be removed, repented of. Our casualness, our love of the entertainment, our love of the football and the the baseball and, and all the professional entertainments, the movies. We're going to have to get serious and leave behind our entertainment, and our love of money, and our lusting after the things of darkness, we're going to have to repent as the American church. You and me, we have to be right with Jesus. If we're not right with Jesus, we will not stand in the gap between America and a holy and mighty God who is prepared to pour out incredible judgments upon this land. This land will be destroyed if the church does not rise up and fulfill its function and we cannot rise up when we're filled with sin and lust and darkness. My heart weeps for America. My heart weeps for the church. My heart weeps because of my own shallowness and my own slowness of heart. Will you repent with me? Will you pray for the atmosphere in America to change that we could call for a solemn assembly and people would rush to come into the presence of God Are you willing to leave behind your worldly church? Are you willing to get right with Jesus no matter what that cost is to you? It's time for revival in America. But it has to begin with me and with you. It has to begin with us. started this broadcast with these words I'm going to read them again to you from the 1700s from Samson O'Calm. he wrote O turn ye O turn ye for why will you die when God in great mercy is coming so nigh Now Jesus invites you. The Spirit says, come, and angels are waiting to welcome you home. How vain the delusion that while you delay, your hearts may grow better, your chains melt away. Come guilty, come wretched, come just as you are, helpless and dying to Jesus to repair. The contrite in heart he will freely receive. But why will you not be glad and believe? If sin be your burden, why will you not come? Tis you he makes welcome. He bids you come home. Please send this message to family and friends. please make it go viral on the internet. Post it on your on your social media networks. It's time for us for you and for me to repent. O Lord, I come saying, please, Jesus, save us from destruction. Turn our hearts toward heaven. Humble our hearts, almighty God. We need the move of your Holy Spirit to break through this hard, fallow ground, this rocky soil, this love of darkness, this love of money and pleasure and entertainment. Lord, Lord Jesus, will you send your Holy Spirit now? And will you raise up men and women across this nation who will preach John the Baptist's message of repent? Oh, it is offensive to many, Jesus, but it's our only possible way of salvation. Would you come now, Holy Spirit of the living God? I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Would you write to me at National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And please, you can go to our webpage and download this message and send it out on on Facebook and other social media platforms. Get this message out. You can go to nationalprayerchapel.com nationalprayerchapel.com My brother, my sister, this message comes out of a heart of concern and love for you. Why will ye die? God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.